0: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised you in John 10.10. And today we're going to wrap up this series called The Elephant in the Family Room, and today Pastor Sean Azaro takes a real look at how families are being spiritually assaulted in a culture that doesn't know God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is where it starts to then know the love of God. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. It's part two of the message called The Family Outpost. Pastor Sean Azaro is teaching from Proverbs and 1 John. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: See, when people say, well, what's the evidence for a creator? I would say the evidence for a creator is a creation. That's the evidence. That's the main evidence. Told you before, we drove a car in here. You know, give me the evidence that someone designed this. Well, the car is the evidence. and I, We believe that there is a creator, a God. And so what, what that means is we came from somewhere. What's our purpose here? We believe the Bible addresses that. We have a purpose. Our life isn't meaningless. We're not an accident. That's significant. What is right and wrong? Who's to say what's right and wrong? In a relativistic culture, who's to say what's right and wrong? Well, that's your view. That might be true for you, but it's not true for me. And truth becomes this thing that's up to, uh, up for grabs and uh, just a matter of whoever's got the most votes. See, truth doesn't work like that. Truth exists regardless of our opinions. But we live in a culture that doesn't teach that, doesn't believe that. What is right and wrong? Where did right and wrong come from? Who gets to decide what right and wrong is? Where did it come from? All these questions are about the things of God, the ways of the Lord. The family is where we learn the ways of the Lord. I remember as our kids got older, we had to teach them how to treat members of the opposite sex. We had to teach them because the culture, and and I'm, I'm talking TV, I'm talking peers at school, I'm talking what they see around them, I'm talking all that. The, the culture wasn't going to teach them that. Lori and I said, we have to teach them how to treat members of the opposite sex. I, I We had to teach them how to treat people in general when they were little, but as they got older and it to, got to dating time, we had to train. I had to train, Ryan, how does a godly young man treat members of the opposite sex? Because there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of culture, a lot of forces that are going to contradict that, and we have, to, we have to train them in the ways of God. Lori had to teach Lauren, how does a young woman treat young men in the family of God? How do we do that? Well, what about marriage? We realized early on, and even this was true even of our kids, friends within the church, at least half, maybe more, it felt like at some time, of the kids who our kids would bring home, and they'd hang out, and they were friends, great kids, but a high percentage of them came from broken homes where they didn't have both mom and dad. And, you know, and look, I don't say this with any condemnation, but after a while it brought some conversations because the kid would we have, well, this one, their families, their parents are divorced and this one, their parents, and then they'd, well, I want a prayer request. Well, pray for this one. Their parents are getting a divorce and they're really sad. And, and just the conversations we had to talk about, you, you do know God has a design for marriage. And here's what, what he intended. Here's why it matters. Here, you see the sadness in your friends? You hear you, you, the reason we need to pray? That's not what God intended. That's not what God designed. And it's like, well, but you're being so judgmental. No, we're not. No, we're not. It's what the Word of God says, and we're going to say what the Word of God says because God gave it to us to be a blessing. We don't like seeing people hurt. And when people say, well, but you're judging. No, no, I'm not. I just want to stop people from getting hurt. And so we have to teach them the ways of God and and just we're going to bump into it in all kinds of different areas. It's not easy because everything in the culture is going to be going the opposite direction and we want to say this is how God designed it and it's a gift and here's how we want to walk. I love this passage of scripture, Psalm 1. Look, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. That's so judgmental. No, it's not. It's a key to blessing. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. God's desire is that we would prosper. God's desire is that we would be a well-watered tree, that our families would be like well-watered trees planted by streams of water that bear good fruit. That's the intention. That's the heart. That's the goal. And we got to decide if we believe that. Do we believe that the key to this is not walking in step with the wicked or standing in the way of sinners or sitting in this company of mockers? Do we believe that? Because it will change our behavior. It will change what we teach. It will change how we walk. It will change how we interact. But instead, we delight in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, not look for loopholes, not kind of to explain why it's not relevant. No, this is Truth because we want this for our families, for our friends, for our kids, for everybody on the face of the planet. This is the vision. That's what I want. That's why we do this. That's why we've got to reclaim this idea of family. The family is where we learn the ways of the Lord. See, your family is called to be a strategic outpost for the kingdom of God. The question is, will we step up and take our post? Second, the family is where we practice the fear of the Lord. Why, why, why? Oh, I'm sorry. Went a little papaw there. Excuse me, I'm fine. The family is where we practice the fear of the Lord. It's where we practice the fear of the Lord. And that, that idea, the fear of the Lord. Okay, Some people, when you start talking about the fear of the Lord, oh, that's such an archaic idea. Oh, Sean, yeah, you know, come on. That's kind of old religious talk. You know, the fear of God. In fact, if you want me to record that as, to help your children, you know, you must practice the fear of God. I'll record that for you, and for nine ninety nine, I can give that to you. You just play it for them as a little bedtime kind of thing. We practice the fear of the Lord. Look what Proverbs 9.10 says about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It's like you're learning, you're learning to deal with reality. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is Understanding. What is the fear of the Lord? And some people get all wrapped around the wheel and they think fear of the Lord. They think, oh my gosh, I don't, you know, God's our father. I don't want to fear my father. And, and they go right away to this place and they think of maybe their own situation. They think of friends or people who, who, it's kind of like the fear of an alcoholic father who's going to be unpredictable and he's going to strike out and be abusive or alcoholic parent and they're going to be abusive. And, and that's not at all what the fear of the Lord is because God's not like that. He's nothing like that. No, the fear of the Lord is to recognize and honor God for who he is. He is God alone. No peer, no equal. And by the way, by implication, what that means is the fear of the Lord. And when I recognize and honor him for who he is, I also recognize myself for who I am. And there is a natural understanding that God, you know, we talk about the otherness of God. He is different. There's no one like him. And so I understand that he's God, and I'm not. And that is the beginning of the fear of the Lord. It's that idea. Interesting, Dwight L. Moody, uh, in his writing The Overcoming Life, said this, To fear is to have more faith in your antagonist than in Christ. Isn't that interesting? To fear is to have more faith in your antagonist, or your enemy, or whatever it is that's coming against you. To have more faith in that than you do in Christ. See, there's this connection, there's this almost symbiotic relationship between the fear of the Lord and faith. See, the, uh, the fear of the Lord has been called the fear to end all fears. Because we recognize who he is, we honor him for who he is. And there is nothing that compares or stands up to him. See, we, we read this verse, this, was, this is why, you go, Where, what does the Deuteronomy passage you have to say about that? Well, look, Deuteronomy 6.2, we just read it. So that, and he said, pass this on to your children, the ways and the statutes of the Lord, so that you, your children, and their children after them, listen, may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. And look what he says to that. That they may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. How? By keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Look at the fear of the Lord, that that recognition and honoring him for who he is, is done by keeping all his uh, decrees and commands that I give you, and then the result is so that you may enjoy a long life. Isn't it interesting, the command for children to obey parents? You see it in the Old Testament, and you see it you see it in Ephesians, you see it in Colossians, and, and it's that command with a promise that you may have a long life. Something about fearing the Lord and a proper understanding of authority and I'm walking well in that, it extends our years. And maybe it's just the simple fact that rebellion is stressful. <laughs> I don't know. That's one of the best verses on the fear of the Lord because it tells you that they may fear the Lord your God, how? By keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and the byproducts so that you may enjoy long life. See, we practice the fear of the Lord by keeping his commands. When you say recognizing and honoring who he is, we, we do that by saying, well, God's word says this, so we're going to do that. Yeah, but, you know, I was reading Dr. So-and-so, and they say that that's an archaic idea. And, and I'm like, okay, until I meet their kids... See, all the people who I see practicing those things, their kids are a train wreck. And I know that's a broad generalization. I can't, you can't say that. I understand that. But until the culture starts getting even close on the fruit, remember, he'll be like a tree, Psalm 1, he'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit. You always judge by the fruit. You always inspect the fruit to see about these different ideas. See, we practice the fear of the Lord by keeping his commands, and it yields... Good fruit. That's why everything, you know, in our community groups, we focus on obeying the Lord. We talk about discipleship even being listening for God's voice, doing what He says. That's how we follow the Lord today. We listen for His voice and we do what He says. Because that's where the power of God is released, it's released in obedience. And so we're teaching our kids that. The family is that place where we practice and learn the fear of the Lord. And by the way, it begins by learning to respect and obey mom and dad. Let me tell you a little hellion who has never been taught to, to respect or obey anyone. And then, you know, they, when they get to that age where now they're going to have to make a decision for Christ and kind of learn to follow and obey the Lord. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Because they've been taught maybe not by actual words, but by example and by implication that they're the center of the universe and kind of they're their own small little god. Cuz they could do whatever they want whenever they want. That's the implication. That's what's being said when we don't discipline our children and help them understand no this is this is right this is wrong and this is what we're going to do and this is why we do it but when you do that with love then they learn ah, God's ways really are a gift and a blessing and so that when it comes time for them to make those decisions on their own it becomes the most natural thing in the world they know God for who he is and they trust him and they follow him that's counterculture but our families are called to be a strategic outpost for the kingdom of God the question is will we take our post.
0: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The Family Outpost, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book, This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: Third thing, the family is where we model the love of God. The family is where we model the love for God. In verse 5, remember, that's that, that Jesus is quoting that. When he says the most important commandment, he's quoting Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Jesus said that's the most important commandment. We understand the love of God. Our family culture should be, we love God. And it's because he first loved us. And this love of God that we have, it changes everything. It change, this is not something, it's like we don't fear God because, well, he's God. he's got the big lightning bolt. And he can throw it and he can kind of wipe us out. And so we better just do what he says. That is not at all the heart of the scripture. That's not the heart of the fear of God. It is rooted in love. We love him because he first loved us. Look at this passage. First John 4, beginning at verse 7, says, Dear friends, let us love one another. And we go, hey, that's great. Everybody agrees. Love one another. I'm not saying they do it, but everybody loves that part. Love one another, for love comes from God. Okay, wait a minute. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Okay, he's talking about a different kind of love. He's talking about something deeper, something more real. We talk about an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. You're talking about God's type of love. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. The kind of love he's talking about, is like, you can't practice it enough. You can't exercise this outside of the love of God. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Listen, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You see where he went there? He starts with love one another, but then he goes, dials down and says, this is why. This is where it comes from. We love him because he loved us first. We love one another because God loved us first. This is a family culture of love. Love from God, he loved us first. We receive that. You see, we teach in our families who God is and what he's like. One of the biggest problems we encounter in ministry is people who, when, you, when I say to them, oh, you need to trust the Lord with your life, they're like, ooh, I don't know about that. And they, don't, they might not say it but it's what comes up because they, they have this warped view of God. They think of God as an angry, vindictive father or God as someone who's petty and jealous. And I'm like, where did you get that? You know, they, they, think, they think of God and somehow, somewhere, someone taught them that God is all about just keeping you in line and God gets mad when you disobey and God's looking for the chance to bring you into line and he's willing to get hard to do it. And let me just be real clear here. God is completely just, because if he weren't just, he wouldn't be good. So his justice is part of his goodness. But it is all rooted in the fact of what we just read, that he is love. Everything about him is because he loves you. Do you know, I've I've told you this before, but I want you to get this. God must bore the angels to tears talking about how much he loves you. Showing the angels pictures of you. Have you seen? Did you see? They're like, oh no, we know. You love him. We've heard. He's like, he's like a grandfather who just bores people with the pictures of his grandkids. Afterwards, start talking to me about my grandkids. I'll keep you going all day. See, as much as I love my kids, I love my grandkids, and I love them a whole lot. I don't have the capacity to love like he loves. His love is way more. And it's Specific. It's for you. God so loved the world. We get it. But meaning us, we're not talking about the planet. He's talking about the people. He loves you. When you get up in the morning, he's excited. He's looking forward to being with you, to talking with you. He loves you. Yes, he has a path. Yes, he wants you to walk in obedience because he wants blessing for you. He wants all of that. But it's all rooted in his love for you. And so family is, our culture is to be, we love God because he first loved us. And because of that, we love one another. And I'm just telling you, it's very powerful. We had some of our kids' friends who would just hang out at our house, and they just loved hanging out at our house. Come to find out, because it was different there, and there was a lot of love there. And come to find out that in some of their homes, that wasn't the case. Some of them, that was very Unusual to just have a place where it was safe and where they were loved. Folks, our families have to be outposts for the kingdom of God, and that means being this little center of the love of God so that our kids' friends, our our friends, their kids, their cousins, the neighbors, they just like to hang out there because this is that place where we don't even know what it is, but it's like, I like it because it's loving. That's what our families are supposed to be. That's the most important commandment that we are filled with his love. i got to move. i got to do some fast preaching. Okay, i got a couple minutes. I'm going to do it. <laughs> you're, like, you're looking at me like, no, you're not. <laughs> the family is where we tell our faith stories. This is so important. I want you to hear this. When, when the kids come and ask the question, remember what he said? He says, they're going to come and ask you, what does this mean? You know, you know what the equivalent of that question is? Why? And some parents hate the word, the question why. Okay, I loved that question. When it was sincerely asked. You know, it can be a diversionary tactic, and we all know when that's happening, right? And you you cut right through that. But when they're sincerely wanting to know, why is that important? Why do we do that? There were were times when I would tell my kids to go do something, and they would say, why? And and I would tell them this. I would say, okay, I love that question, and I will answer that question after you go do it. Because this question is not a means of avoiding what I've asked you to do. I want you to go do it, but then we will sit down, and I'll actually tell you why, because it's important. I want you to know why this matters and why it's an important thing that we're going to do. And so I want to encourage that, man. They're going to ask. And what's so cool is in that passage, what does this mean? And he tells them, and I want to suggest this is still an incredible answer when our kids ask why regarding the things of God. When they ask why or what does this mean, and and remember what he said? We were slaves, but now because of God, we are set free. That's our story. We were slaves, but because of Jesus, we're set free. Why the things of God? And, And we always connected. And I want to encourage you, whoever you're talking to, connect it. You remember when you were telling us about that, that one kid who's really sad and, and they've got some stuff going on that's really hard and it's kind of messed up and you were praying for them? See, that's the slavery. And I'm, I'm not even talking about their sin. I'm just talking about that situation. That's the slavery that God wants to set us free from. That's what we've been set free from. We were slaves. Without Jesus, we're just like that. We're slaves. But because of him, we've been set free. And God wants to do that for everybody. You connect it. See, that's what the gospel is. We were slaves, but we've been set free because of Jesus, his death on the cross. That's what a discipleship culture is about. Everything I want to point it to, what's God doing? What's his plan? And I love that. It's so simple. When they ask you what these things mean, you tell them we were slaves. God set us free. And God wanted to bless us and wanted to prosper us. This is a story that we share and we are excited to share. You know, when our kids were little, we had backyard Bible club. I don't know why we called it that. We generally had it in the living room. But, you know, anyway. <laughs> it's what you called them back then, okay? But we had those, and they'd invite their kids, and we'd just have fun, play some games, serve lots of Kool-Aid, the good stuff. <laughs> I, had to, I had to follow up double-check. But we'd, we'd then just share a Bible story, or share something from the Word of God. And we saw families come to our church because of that, and, you know, we just saw kids respond to that. We tried to be involved in their schools and because we want to share the story, and that's what we were telling our kids. You know, at the Christmas party, we always wanted to help out at the Christmas party. They, when they are in public school, you know, I'd bring my guitar and sing, you know, Christmas carols, and let me just tell you, uh, I'm huge at Redland Oaks in elementary school, huge. In the Christmas circles, I know, I, I, <laughs> you know how dorky it is? Well, I'm going to sing some Christmas carols, kids. But I did it, and we had fun with it. Because we wanted opportunities just to share the story. You know what Christmas is all about? God loves you. God loves you. He loves us, and he made a way for us to have life in him. If you want to know more, we'd love to help you. We'd love to answer any questions we can. And and it's just just saying we were slaves. (laughs) And because of Jesus, we've been set free. And we want that for everybody. That's our family story. That's our faith story. And they should learn that at home. Your family, my family, we're called to be strategic outposts for the kingdom of God. And last thing, I'll wrap with this. The family is to be where his blessings are on full display. His blessings are on full display. Note the phrases from the passage we read. He said, I'm telling you these things that you would enjoy long life. I'm telling you these things that it would go well with you. I'm telling you these things that you will increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm telling you these things that we might always prosper and be kept alive. Do you understand the whole reason behind it is because God loves you and wants to bless you abundantly? The family is to be a place where his blessings are on full display. When we think blessings, we think material things. Material is irrelevant. I have known some families who live pretty lean, even just maybe not much over the poverty line, and who have just been blessed and abundant. Their house is always filled with joy. Uh, My mom, when we were growing up, my parents separated we were. Uh, my mom had a little cleaning company that just was enough to pay the bills. We had very little. But you know what was amazing? When we, we had friends over and stuff. And there was always enough for dinner. I, don't, I think she had multiple miracles she probably could have recorded of just God stretching the food because we chose to bring a couple goofs over with us, you know, my brothers and I, and just show up for dinner. And she always had enough, and there was always laughter around the table. We hardly had any money, and it, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. It was just one of those things that it was like it was irrelevant because the blessing of the Lord is a home filled with love peace a a place of his presence a place of his joy and our families are supposed to be an outpost of that so when people come in it it doesn't matter if if it's a little house if it's a bigger house irrelevant they come to our homes and it's a place where they experience the blessing of the Lord and it should be attractive See, our family is called to be a strategic outpost for the kingdom of God. The question is, will we take our post?
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, The Elephant in the Family Room, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org.